Hey, everybody. I'm Dr. Andy Rourke, and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Guys, today we got a letter from a doctor who says, guys, I'm worried that there's a click forming in my practice, and I'm in it. What do you do when you have friends in practice? What if you what do you do when you you're friends with people that you work with and then other people start to mention that they're worried about a click forming up or that they're feeling left out? Let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie rolling six deep. Goss. How's it going, Andy? Oh, it's good. I am. Uh, it's good, man. Really wild week uh, and wild times. Working, yeah. a, working a lot in the clinic and feeling good about it. And we have got a ton going on in Uncharted. Yeah, it, It's growing like crazy and just people pouring in and... Um, and being super positive and asking great questions and just getting to work on their practice. And good gosh, Stephanie, it's, it's, um, God, is that feeling when you're like working really hard and you're really proud of what you're working on and you feel yeah. really good about it? Like I ha- I have that right now. And it's so great. Oh, no, I, I know, I know what you mean. It is, it is good. I had, um, last night actually, uh, we had, um, an uncharted community get together and we were talking about, you know, COVID related stuff in our practices and doing a little bit of a round table. And it was so nice to see everybody's faces and just, um, have that support and that connection of like, how are you, you know, how's everybody doing? How, how are we doing in our clinics? Like what's, what's working and, um, what do we need to keep working on? And, and yeah. I love that. So yeah, no, I know that feeling it's, uh, there's a lot of good stuff happening right now. Well, that was, that was amazing. So you had like 20 people, yeah. uh, who were all, they're all in practice. They're all mostly practice owners, right? Um, uh, yeah, no, last night was a good mix of owners and, uh, managers and we had quite a few managers last night and, uh, you know, talking about everything from, you know, what do, what do we do when somebody goes and gets their first vaccine and then pops up with a fever? Do we make them stay home? Do we, you know, assume that it's related to the vaccine? Stuff like that to just, just how's everybody surviving? How's everybody's team morale? Like what's, what's going on? What's, what's been going well in the practices? Um, and that just, that kind of connection and, and real talk is just one of the things that I love about our community. And it's nice because we're all, a lot of us are stuck in our homes and we, have no contact with anybody outside of work and outside of our families. And so to be able to get on Zoom for, you know, an hour and a half with uh, some amazing people every, uh, every so often feels really good. I, I, I love it. Like that's just, that's just, that just sums up what I love about Uncharted. It's just, there's yeah. nothing like it. It's, it's, it's just so great and so useful and it's so emotionally supportive and just awesome. I just love it. So anyway, um, enough about that. Enough about the awesomeness of Uncharted, <laughs> although I can talk about it all day. Uh, let's unpack a fantastic letter from the mailbag, shall we? Yes. This is a gonna, really, really good one. I loved it. This I saw really this coming and I was one. like, oh, yes, we're going to do that. Cool. You want to lay it out? So we had uh, someone write to us, and this someone is a doctor in, uh, in their team. And they said, there seems to be a, a click problem that is starting to happen on our team. To be honest, I've seen it forming and happening. But to be really honest, I haven't acted swiftly because it actually involves me. There are some assistants on our team, uh, an associate vet and myself who have more and more solidified with each other as fast friends and at times will socialize outside of the clinic. And this person said they didn't see the friendship as disruptive or inappropriate until the past month or so. Two different team members have voiced concerns about feeling like there is a click issue within the clinic. And this person said, I'm absolutely mortified to have anybody on the team feel like they were excluded or made to feel other in any way that concerns them at at work. That being said, I'm feeling like I'm having a really hard time trying to see what behaviors are bothersome because I don't think we're doing anything mean or catty or gossipy or anything that would actually be like signs of a true click. Mostly it just feels like they're being friends. And so this person was asking, how does one go about solving the the click concern? And as 
being being in the middle of it, being a part of the group, what can I do to change my behavior to address the perception that other people have that there is a problem? Um, and how, you know, they were asking, do I have to stop being friends with my friends? Like, is that is that the answer? Yeah. How do I talk about this with my friends? Because they seem to also feel pretty strongly that there's nothing inappropriate about the friendships and relationships. And so it sounds like everybody's kind of struggling, um, but also having some self-awareness and and recognizing that other people are are having problem with it. And so how do they address it within the team? And yeah. I thought that this was a fantastic, uh, fantastic question. Yeah. Let, so let me just start by um, I'm going to I'm gonna, this, we're going to call this uh, Dr. Superfriend. Um, I just want to start by fluffing Dr. Superfriend's pillows and saying all the things that are good. First of all, when uh, he or she, we're going to say she asked, uh, is one of the answers to stop being friends with my friends. Good use of the uh, gritted teeth emoji. You know, the, you know, the uh, the. Yes. That one? Yeah. Good use of that emoji there. I, I think that that really brings it across well. I love it. Uh, number two, good, good, uh, good, good approach uh, in setting aside defensiveness. Like, mm -hmm. I don't hear anything defensive in this email, and I love nope. it. I'm like, oh, man. And number three, and you, you said the words, I, I really do believe, guys, the most powerful the most powerful characteristic in leadership and the most underrated uh, and probably the most difficult is uh, self-awareness. And I really see self-awareness in this question. Yeah. And they're owning their part of it and also still saying, I don't want to not be friends with my friends. And that's yep. important to me. And like, I, if I could, if I could bet on Dr. Superfriend, I would, because I feel yeah. like, yeah, just from this, it's just, it's funny how you sort of tell some things uh, based on the questions they ask. I go, this is someone who's conscientious, they're thoughtful, they're not defensive, they're right. owning their place in here, and they've got some self-awareness. I was like, great, right. we can totally work with this person. Yeah, no, totally. Let's, uh, let's start laying down some headspace. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. The first thing I always do when we talk about clicks, uh, and this kind of throws people off a little bit, I always say, let's talk about the good parts of clicks. <laughs> like, what, what is, what is good about clicks? Like they have an evolutionary function. You know, there's a reason that clicks have always existed, right? It's a resource sharing group. Mm -hmm. It makes us, the people inside the fic, the click feel included. It, you know, it helps us meet our needs. There's some security there. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that we get from friend groups. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I always want to lay that down and say, think about all the good stuff about it. You know, you got people who care about each other, who look out for each other. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good things in the clicks. And so I don't want to jettison, jettison that and just say, clicks are evil and they're bad and they should be crushed. Really what has to happen here, this is very much a nuanced shades of gray area where you say, okay, I don't want to crush camaraderie. I don't want to cr crush interconnectedness. I don't want to crush, you know, a sense of security a comfort mm -hmm. at work. But clicks overall, generally, when you go all the way to the end of the road, they generally come out in a place that we don't want to be. I think a lot of that has to do with the the difference between, you use the word friendship groups and clicks. I think the, the very definition and nature of clicks, people turn to the negative only. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to look past the negative because when you say the word click, you think of the mean girl, the gossip girls, the the negative things that come with tight friendships where some people feel on the inside and other people feel on the outside. Um, and I think that, that that headspace and looking past just the association with the word is a huge part of where you have to start to look at it from a positive space because if you say the word click – I'm going to have a negative connotation. If you say the word friendship group, I'm going to think about that much more positively. And there's big, big power associated with the words being used. Yeah. If you call it a super friendship group, I'm going to think of it even more positively. Right. right. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay. So, no, you're exactly right. The reason I lay it out this way, right? If we just say, if, if we're talking about bullying, I'm not going to be like, let's think about the positive aspects of the right. bully. Like, no, right. no, like, like that is, that is a problem to be squashed. Right. This is not necessarily, there's some, I, I, I put it forward instead of being like, you have a click problem, prepare to struggle. I was like, no, look, you've, you've got some people who like each other. 
you know, and who work well together. We need to make some adjustments, but we've got some good things that we can build on here that can be potential attributes mm-hmm. uh, for our for our culture and our practice. So, mm-hmm. so I put that forward. The downsides, you know, to clicks are uh, for people if people feel included, other people feel excluded. Yeah. Right. There's yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, exactly, and so other people feel excluded. And there's there can be hard feelings. The big thing for me is that clicks, especially, this is why I really like this question, why it's interesting to me. Um, it's one thing when you've got a, a click of the front desk or, or a click of the technicians. Mm-hmm. When you have a click that includes some of the doctors, now you get into some really choppy dark waters. Sure. And the reason is because the opportunity for favoritism is huge, right? Yeah. The people outside this click don't necessarily, it's not just that they feel excluded. They're also wondering if they're going to lose opportunity. Yeah, you know, because they're not going to get chances. What if the other techs are getting things and they're not getting anything? Like favoritism is really easy when you say, "Well, I'm not part of that vet's group, friend group, and so I'm not going to get treated fairly." Right. Yeah. And favoritism in vet practices, and I talk to this a lot about doctors. You have got to be so careful, uh, and it comes back to the doctor-tech relations. If someone believes that favoritism is at play in their practice, what they're really coming to understand or what they're coming to believe is that it doesn't matter how hard they work because that's not going to get them ahead. They're on the outside. And if you want to demotivate somebody, that's a great way to do it, you know? Absolutely. And I think I think the power dynamics uh, within the structure of a clinic absolutely have a huge role to play in that. Like... Um, like you said, when when it involves doctors or when relationships and friendships involve um, decision makers and managers, it's very, very easy for people to immediately shift defensively and tie friendship, even if it exists outside of work, to what is happening in the day-to-day reality of the practice, which may or may not be actually what's happening, right? Like it's so easy for that to get blown out of proportion because it's like, oh, well, my boss is friends with this person and they're not friends with me. So they're going to get to do all of the fun stuff and I'm going to get left out. Like that's, that's very, very common. Well, I think it's human nature too. And we all know like, look, we work together all the time. We're together every day. We're all up in each other's business, which means it's only a matter of time until you catch Shauna on a bad day. And you say, Shauna, I need you to do this thing that you don't want to do, but I, but I need you to do it. And they look around and recognize that your friends are not the ones who are doing this thing. Right. And they go, forget this crap. You're not, you're making me do it because I'm not one of your buddies. And that may be completely untrue, but right. I think we can all imagine how someone can make that jump, especially when they're having a bad day. Absolutely. And so when they make that jump, here's where things really get dicey. Uh, favoritism, things like this, where people feel like they are getting put upon or they don't have opportunities to grow or they're not going to get a raise that they deserve or they're not going to get a promotion or they're not going to get the CE that they want because they're not your friend or they're not in your friend group. That hits the justice button deep in our caveman, you know, dashboard. And when people start, like, it's not just that it makes me mad. It is unfair and unjust. And when people believe they're in a work environment and there's something significant that is unfair and unjust, they don't just back away from it. You know what I mean? Right. It they like it's that is a hard pill to swallow. I, I can swallow the pill of I don't want to do this thing. I don't want to mop the floors uh, in the you know treatment rooms again. That stinks, and I don't want to do it. Like I'm in a bad day. I can I can suck it up. I can't necessarily suck that up when I feel like I'm doing it because your friends w- don't want to do it. And now you're making me do it. And like now there's justice involved. Right. And like that's when you really get into culture problems fast. Yeah. That's 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 a that's a big one. The other things I'll just throw on the side um, is if you do have clicks or groups and they happen to break along lines of race, sexual orientation, gender socioeconomic class, um, you're getting into an area where an angry employee or ex-employee might be able to convince people that you have a discrimination problem, right? Like there can be legal ramifications if your clicks break along those lines. And I'm going to say it may not have anything to do with racism, 
But if that's how it breaks out and it looks that way, one, it could be an sort of unconscious bias sort of thing. But number two, it, it, it could be presented that way. And now you've got some legal issues in your practice. Yeah. So anyway, I always have to tag that on. And I think, I think that's from a, from a manager's perspective, I think that that is always, always something that is in the back of my head is it doesn't matter what the reality is. It's, mm -hmm. it's someone's perception and it's how someone experiences it. So it doesn't matter that I'm friends with Jessica because Jessica's a funny person and I like her. If someone comes along and says, I'm friends with Jessica because, you know, we are both, uh, you know, middle-class white women who are, uh, you know, members of the LGBT community, then there's an argument there, whether there's truth to it or not that person's perception and, and reality can be shared. And so from a manager perspective, that's something that's always in the back of my head when I think about relationships with the team is that there's just so, there is so much risk. It's like, um, you know, it's like dating at work. Like it can be really, really rewarding to be friends or date someone in your field, right? Because there's commonality, there's shared experience, there's just the understanding and the give and take of, um, you know, when you have crazy long days, they get it. They, they know when you're, you know, coming home and you're covered in, you know, vomit, but you're super excited about a cool case and you want to talk about it while you're eating dinner. That's not, <laughs> that's not unacceptable behavior <laughs> for someone who works in your field and understands that. And it's that same, it's that same mentality when we look at friendships within, within our field and our space, there, there are very, big benefits and pros to it. And at the same time, there are very significant risk factors for um, having friendships within the clinic environment. And also for, you know, same, same like for dating within the clinic environment, like there, it is not just your reality, other people's um, perception of reality is, is impacted and it can, it can be fine, but it can also go completely sideways very, very fast. And so, I know for a lot of managers, um, myself included, generally have uh, developed defense mechanisms and a lot of people, practice owners, practice managers, even other doctors are like, I just don't hang out with people from work. Like we're friendly at work and we might have friendships, but my rule for myself is I'm not going to hang out with my team outside of work because at the end of the day, I need to be able to have a clean road to direct them and not be their friend and tell them things that they don't want to hear. Um, and so a lot of people set that rule up for themselves. The, the downside to that rule is that it's lonely at the right. top and it hurts to not be able to share in the camaraderie and the friendship that you see your team experiencing when they all, you know, it's five o'clock, it's been a long day and they're like, Hey, we're going to go get a beer. See you later. And you're not invited like that. That yeah. sucks. So it goes, it goes both ways and it's a really hard it's a really hard thing and it's a very personal thing. And everybody's choice when it comes down to this line is going to be different and there's no right or wrong. It has to be what feels right for you, I think right. is the I, ultimate thing for me. I don't, I don't judge people on this, but I, I definitely right. have, I very have, a, I have a very clear opinion perspective and it's not always super popular, but I continue to share it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I don't use a lot of military analogies. I, one of the things that, but this actually did affect me and my thinking a while back is, you know, when you are talking about the military, the officers don't eat with the enlisted men. Yeah. Like they, they, they don't. And part of it, I look at that and go, well, that seems like contrary to team building. You know right. what I mean? Like, don't you want to be involved with these people that you're going to have this, you know, uh, that you're going to put your life on the line with this, uh, possibly, you know, like, don't you want, and, and the rationale from the military was no, I want you know, I want to know them. I care deeply about them. I'm friendly with them, but ultimately I need them to do what I say and not feel like they're getting something and someone else is not because we're better friends. And, and I, again, I know that's a, a bit of a stretch, but I, the underlying philosophy has made me think a lot Yeah. when we talk about sort of favoritism and things like that. It, 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 it's a risk as a doctor. And I just, I, I truly believe that if you can, it's better to be friendly with the staff, to care deeply about them, to look out for them, to go to the map for them, but ultimately to be able to distance yourself to say, look, I have to be able to tell this person to do 
what needs to be done and, you know, do it very nicely. But still, at some point, you know, I have an obligation to the practice and to the clients. And I need to have a relationship with my staff that allows me to balance them and doesn't force me to put them above what my job is. You know what I mean? And so that, that, that's kind of the way I look at it. I like the, I like the analogy of like dating at work um, because um, most businesses have policies about not dating at work and they mostly get broken. You know, like we see, and you see it all the time. And it, well, the, and the question is why? It's like, well, because we work with people who have shared interests, right? And because they're available, meaning that we are there with this person, and we have time to grow a relationship, and we understand and learn that we really like them and want to spend time with them. And so, of course, we would like to maybe explore further possibilities of relationships with that person. Like it's it's very understandable, kind of how it happens. Yeah, I think I think that some of the problems are the same with friendship as they are with sort of romantic attachment. So anyway, I, I don't, I think you and I are both in the same place of not trying to make this a big, big deal, not saying people, you know, who are friends with their staff are bad in any way, shape or form. It's very understandable, very common. Um, it does have its pitfalls. I, I, I do tie this real quick, just as an aside, you'll hear me when we talk about wellness, you'll hear me beating the drum for third spaces, right? Mm -hmm. I believe that if you work in vet medicine, you should have a thing that is not home and is not the vet clinic mm -hmm. that you do. And preferably a thing where no one there cares that you are a veterinarian or work in a vet practice. Yeah. Like, I think that is good and healthy. And I think that, you know, that's where your friend group can come from. And the more friends you have outside of work, the less tightly bonded you are to the ones in work. Just because you're, you got a variety of people that you spend time with. I think yep. that can be very helpful. If you're someone who eat, breathes, and sleeps in the vet clinic, and these people are your entire social circle, it's really hard to not be friends with them, you know, or to or to not really uh, bond to some of them, and that that makes your life harder. Absolutely, and it's hard. It's hard to turn off. Um, it's hard to turn off your brain too, and have that disconnect. Like it's healthy to be able to go and sit at home and paint or go and you know uh do comedy like you do or um you know improv like to have something that's unrelated to veterinary medicine and disconnects your brain is so healthy and so positive because I've I have some some of my closest friendships are with other manager friends but I'll be honest it it can also be absolutely freaking exhausting because I love these women more than I can tell you. And also sometimes I don't want to talk about work anymore, but that that's, it's just natural for us to be like, Oh, let's support each other. And let's talk about what happened and what we're struggling with. And it has to do with work. And at some point I'm like, I just like, I, I got to turn it off. I can't, I can't handle not ha you know, just having to think about work at one more time. And it's not a reflection on them or the friendship, but it, it does make it very hard. And so being able to have those things outside of the work environment is so, so important, I think, to people's mental health to just get a break because you can't, like you said, if you just, if your life is work and home, it, it is really, um, impactful and effective affecting to your mental health. I agree. I, I think that that is something that people just, just need to think about in your, in your daily, in your life, you know what I mean? In your connection to your team. Now, all right, let's, let's get squared up and let's get functional headspace. Where do we need to get our head straight to deal with this problem? I, I want to start with my veil of ignorance that I love. Okay. So Rawls veil of ignorance is this philosophy exercise where we look at a system, at a population, at a society, and we ask ourselves, if I was taken up by a higher power and reassigned to a different role, place, position, body, person uh, in this system, okay. would I be okay? Would I be okay? Would I, would I think that that was fair? Would I be okay with that? And the highest level of existence is yes. Like, if I was taken out of the leadership role and put in the, in the kennel tech, I would be okay with that. Well, you go, well, why? It's like, well, because my responsibility would be much less. And yeah, I would make less money, but I would also get to work with my hands and work only with pets and not have to interact with people. And like, it should work around basically to where you go, okay, I feel like no one here is clearly 
uh, the underling. No one here is clearly mm -hmm. getting the short end of the stick. Like, it's not equal uh, necessarily in pay or status or whatever, but it, it, it all seems fair in its way. And I guess that's the, okay. that's the point of Rawlsville of Ignorance. So the reason I use Rawlsville of Ignorance here is because a lot of people um, are not as open to this idea as Dr. Superfriend. And so the <laughs> veil of ignorance goes, all right, listen, I'm sitting here trying to consider this problem. Is this a problem? What am I supposed to do? Look, imagine, truly try to imagine that you are one of the people who's not in the group. And you don't know the people in the group. You don't know their minds. You don't know what they're right. thinking. When you look at the situation from their eyes, um, with, with a neutral or even cynical view, would you be okay with how it looks? You know what I mean? It's so easy to say, well, look, we're not doing anything um, that's problematic inside of our little friend group. Okay, if you were on the outside looking at your friend group and seeing you guys sit together at lunch, you know what I mean, and talk about what you were doing in your cases and then, you know, and then plan your afternoon of working together, would you feel okay with that? And I feel like right. that is an exercise in empathy that sets us up to make some changes. That makes sense. I love it. That that it's it's a lot harder to do than than you think. And I agree with you. I think Dr. Superfriend did a fantastic job of the self-assessment of like, look, yep. I've thought about this and I don't I I struggle to see where there could be problem, but they very much also left it open for the fact that somebody else's perception could very much be a different reality than what they're seeing. And I think that that's fair. Right. And, and, um, and so that the, the self-awareness there is, is just so, so great and deserves some pillow fluffing for sure. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, number two, remember that favoritism, especially if you're a doctor and you're talking to staff, it is a massive demotivational force for right. the people that you want to work for you. It makes them resentful of not just you, but also the people that you're friends with because they think that they're getting these benefits. And so you've now got an out group that is not just out, but they be are becoming resentful of the in group. It makes people less likely to volunteer, to jump up, to throw in because they're like, I'm not going to get recognized for this. Or sure. appreciated for this because I'm not a friend. And the last thing, it undermines the all-for-one culture that we work so hard to build, right? Yeah. Like, we are, we're all in this together, and we look out for each other. We are all interconnected, except we're more interconnected over here. And so just remember that favoritism is a, uh, is a real problem, whether it's real or whether it's perceived. And that brings me to number three, which is, remember, a perception problem is still a problem. And I've told this story before of uh, when my wife was, uh, she was out of the country. She was teaching a, a course in Ecuador. And so she was gone for a couple of weeks with uh, some college students. And I had the kids and I was really, really busy. And I um, took my kids up to my parents' house for a weekend. And, you know, my kids were, were pretty young at the time. And they were very, you know, they required a lot of engagement and kind of management throughout the day and everything. And so here I am. I'm just sort of single dad in it um, uh, for a while. And. And that's fine. And I loved it. But when I went up there for the weekend, I was like, aha, this is my time when I'm going to be able to get loose and bang out this work and catch back up. And so I went up there and I worked my butt off for the weekend while my kids hung out with my parents. And then when I was leaving, my dad said, hey, I'm concerned about the relationship you have with your kids. You don't seem to be a very present dad. And that was devastating for me. And so I asked my brother about it and said, you know, you know, I'm super engaged with my kids. I spend a ton of time. And that's when my brother said, Andy, you have a perception problem, right? It's not true that this is uh, the reality of the situation. Right. But our parents, based on what they see, their perception is that. And so right. you, you need to address that perception, not necessarily <laughs> the, what, what they believe to be true. And, right. and so that is, that is perception problem is still a problem. And you see this in the clinic. If you are not doing anything that would be problematic, that is favoritism, that is unfair, that is catty, that is gossipy, that is bully, bully, uh, <laughs> any of that, right? You can still have a problem. Right. With, right. with if other people believe that that is what is happening. And just yeah. the fact it's not happening does not make the problem go away. But it is a perception problem, and that has to be managed. And the, the last thing I would say, number four in this, in the headspace, this is not an immediate fix, right? 
There are some problems where we call a meeting and we clearly communicate, you know, what is going on and right. um, and we make changes and we get buy-in. Based on the tone of this email, this question, um, I'm not convinced this is a let's go public and tell everybody thing. Right. I think if you're starting just to hear the whispers of this, I think that actions often speak louder than words. And it sounds like this may be a time that we just need to start making adjustments, right, before we really get into an issue itself. Do you agree with that? Sure. Yeah, that that makes that makes total sense. It's there's still I and I would agree. I think when you first start to hear chatter is it is very easy to self-correct when the problem has grown larger or unwieldy it is a lot harder to self-correct and not have it be like okay this is the whole thing that everybody's clearly talking about and now I have to make a big deal out of it right like if just a few people are concerned you can absolutely you know pull pull somebody aside say hey I know you made this comment and it worries me and I just want to hear where your head is at because I don't I don't want you to feel bad. I don't I don't want there to be problems. I want to address this with you. That kind of conversation is so easy very early on in the process. But if now those people have, you know, gotten more riled up and got other people involved, then it becomes a lot easier to write that ship. So I I agree 100%. Yeah. No, I I think that's a great point. The 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 one-off conversations early. You have to read the room and the situation a little bit. I mean, I could be off on this. Uh we're we're, we're implying some tone here. Um but but I'm totally with you. When you're first starting to hear these things, um, just some individual conversations coming with a spirit of honest inquiry, help me understand why you say that. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. tell, tell me why you feel that way. Um, those are the questions that, that get us where we need to be. Hey, let's, yeah. uh, let's take a quick break right here for one second, and then we'll come back and let's get into the action steps we're going to take. Sounds great. Hey, Andy, I hear that there are some super exciting things coming up on the calendar. You want to give everybody a rundown on them? Oh, boy, are there super exciting things. We've got all kinds of stuff coming up in about a week from the time this episode comes out. It'll be February 17th. We have instant team buy in the lean board with Mark Nunez. This is a practical tool for getting decisions made in your practice and getting your team to buy into said decisions. It is 90 minutes to the point you will leave with a tool that you can use. It is one of the most, if not the most requested workshops. We have it Uncharted because people in Uncharted use it and they love it and Mark keeps getting asked to do this. And so we're gonna open this one up to the public. It's free to Uncharted members. It's $99 to the public. And March 28th, I am doing personal branding with Dr. Andy Rourke. This is all about marketing as an individual. This is about building functional brands. And when I say that, this is about getting opportunities, about getting clients in the door at your clinic, about growing revenues, actually doing work uh, with your art, whether that's writing or making videos or podcasting or doing photography, or um, if you cross stitch and, and write educational <laughs> things. I don't, I don't know, whatever you do, it doesn't matter. I will teach you how to build that into a brand that is actually worthwhile. This is not a social media class. It is not a basics of Facebook class, none of that stuff. This is very much high strategy. This is a deep dive on marketing, using an, an individual as the focal point of said marketing. So that is on March 28th. That is also free to our members. There's a, there's a trend here, free to our members and $99 to the public. That's March 28th. I would love to see everybody there. Stephanie, what do you think? Sound good? I love it. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, let's uh, let's get into some action steps. Let's say that we have good friends who are on the staff, um, and we are starting to get some feedback from other people that, hey, this feels like there are some clicks here. Um, what do I what do I do with that stuff? Like, where where do we go? So i I think um, I think it starts with what we were just talking about, which is now is the opportunity to start very small. You know, this is this is not this is not where you have to make a big thing. You don't have to have you know, you don't have to stop being friends with your friends. You don't have to get up in front of the team and say, you know, we're not going to hang out anymore. Um, it doesn't need to be a giant thing. I think this is the opportunity to start really small and just just ask them, say, you know, get curious and say, I, you know, I I like you. I care about you. I want to know 
if my behavior is affecting you in a way that doesn't feel positive, I, I would want to know that. Um, yeah. And so I think you have the opportunity right now to start very small in that regard with the one or two people who have actually said something about the problem. I think there's yeah. other things that you can do in terms of setting up your whole clinic environment, but in terms of directly addressing the concerns, I think this is such an easy opportunity for Dr. Superfriend, who sounds like they are very self-aware and kind of an open person and probably could easily say, hey, I've been thinking about this a lot since I heard you make that comment. And I just wanted to touch base with you because I, it really, you know, it's really been bothering me. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable or left out or whatever it is, uh, you know, for Dr. Superfriend to figure out how to approach it, but to be able to talk with that person or those two people kind of one-on-one -on -one in a way that feels very, very safe and unthreatening to anybody. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I think you put your finger right on it. No one is upset because you're friends with someone else. Right. They are upset for another reason. And, and I think we should ask them what it is. Is it because right. you feel like information is not being shared through the vet clinic? You know what I mean? Is it is it that these people who tend to be your friends tend to know what's going on and the rest of us don't? Right. And, you know, and that's a problem. Yes. Is it that you don't feel like work is being delegated evenly across the practice? Mm -hmm. um, those things can be dicey to say. You, you, This is why you should, You, we always work to build trust and to be open. And, you know, we never penalize people for giving us feedback, even if we don't agree with it. Um, you know, what, what exactly is their concern? And there may be some easy things that we can address to mm -hmm. alleviate their concerns. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, when we have situations like this, what happens is it comes down to, let's just say that we're really not behaving in a way that we think is, is problematic. In, in order to stop perception of favoritism or, or perception of cliques as in-groups from being a problem, and the yep. answer is transparency and communication. Yes. Right. Like we like if you're going to get out of this and you say these are my friends and they're going to be my friends and please, Andy, don't tell me to not be friends with these people. I would say uh -huh. okay to you. Say okay. Okay. I'm not going to tell you to not be their friends. What I am going to say is we need to figure out how to increase transparency of what is going on so that people know that they are not missing opportunities and that things are being done fairly. We need to make sure there are systems so that things are being done fairly and my own internal secret biases are not tipping the scale towards my friends because then yeah. uh, then we got a real problem. Uh, yeah. And and then also it, it needs to be transparent uh, communication. Everybody needs to know what's going on in the practice. It cannot be that there is an information gap between the in-group and the out-group. Th those are big things for me. So, yeah, absolutely. I think I think if you're going to have a kind of environment in your practice where you're like, these people are my family, these people are my friends, we spend more time together, like we want to have that that culture and that feel, that's fine. If that's the right choice to you to be friends with people on your team, that's great. That's where I agree 100% with you that you have to have amazing communication across the board and there has to be systems in place for there to be transparency both in the communication and in actions um, across the board because that's where if there's not, that the lack of transparency and or the lack of communication are the top two offenders when it comes to people feeling uh, like something was unfair. Yeah. Areas where transparency matters, right? Uh, pay. We talked yep. about that recently. Yep. Um, yeah. People, people should know how they advance or how things are done in the following ways, right? How, how are we paid? Um, yep. What are the paths to advancement? How do delegation of duties and responsibilities happen? How do we, how do we get scheduled? Where do our schedules come from? Um, how do we request and get time off? How do we get CE or advancement opportunities? Things like that. Any of those things are things where you can see someone who is not on the in-group getting turned down and yes. and being frustrated about it. And so the yes. biggest things that we can do is just try to make a fair system that says this is how you get a raise. Mm -hmm. This is this is how this is how you request time off and how it's granted. You know, and the more objective we can make those things, the more we protect ourselves from people saying, "Oh, this is about me not being your friend." You know what I mean? Yeah. Um or you having a tighter relationship with the other technician than with me. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, transparency is your key. Uh, uh so I think in this regard, you got to actively stir the pot, right? You can you can be friends. You can love spending time with people, 
but it is not good for your practice to have a group that is in and a group that is out. And yes. that can be that can be totally true after after work. You can totally hang on on the weekends. My advice is to not make it a big deal uh, right. if you do. But right. but you you totally can. But in the clinic, I want to stir the pot, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, we know that clicks are going to actively gravitate towards each other. We're going to have to kind of work against that to make it feel like we're all in this together. And that includes cross-training, team-building exercises, scheduling people with each other, um, program development. Like if we're overhauling the front desk protocols, let's not put the click on that. Let's, you know, let's get people who don't know each other as well working together. And that's just building ties because ultimately the people who feel on the outside are the most likely to leave. And I don't want them to leave. I want them to feel connected. I want us all, ultimately I want us to have one big click and that's our vet practice. And we're right. all in this together. We all like each other. I have to keep stirring the pot and actively bringing people into those groups. Now, I think it's really, really important for the doctors who are hearing this and going, I, I feel this to, to hear me. And it applies to managers as well, but significantly more so for the doctors. Look, when you're friends with somebody, it is a lot easier to be like, Hey, I, I want to work with you. Cause I just know that if I ask you to do the things, the things are just going to get done and I don't have to worry about it. And so it is very, very easy unconsciously to fall into the bias of, I want to work with that person because they make my life easier because you have the friendship to balance on. And that is something that I see doctors struggle with the most because it is very hard. They are creatures of habit. They want their lives. They want their lives to go smoothly. They want their patient's care to go smoothly. And so they absolutely want to gravitate to the person who they feel like is going to get the job done the best. And I've absolutely seen doctors make, um, make a mountain out of a molehill without meaning to because they're leaning into those friendships and they're mm -hmm. like, I'm just going to ask Kate to do it because I know she's going to do it exactly the way I would want it done. And I don't have to think twice about it. Whereas if I ask Rebecca to do it, I'm going to have to walk her through how to do it. I'm going to have to supervise a little bit more. Um, it's very, you have to, you have to take off the hubris and think about that and think about how that impacts the rest of the team. And that can be really hard for, for doctors in particular, because in the moment, it is so much easier to be like, oh, I just need to ask. I just want to ask Katie to do it because I know that it'll just be so much easier. And it's the same for me. I struggle with that too. As a manager, um, people that I feel more comfortable with or that I have um, more um, more friendship with within the practice, it is very easy to rely on those people and say, I want, I, you know, I just, I know that I don't have to ask twice for that help. And so I think this is a huge area of self-awareness in terms of this is hard work. You are going to have to yeah. actively push yourself to get out of that shell. But if you do it, the things that you were talking about, Andy, the, the cross training, the team building, the, the overall, the team is going to be better for it. If you push yourself out of that bubble and spend the time, you know, tr training Brittany, how to do the thing and showing her how you want it done. Because now Instead of just Kate knowing how you want it done, now Kate and Brittany know how you want it done, and you've expanded your world. So it yeah. is a hard place to be in, but it is absolutely worth the extra push to yourself. But I've seen a lot of doctors really struggle with that because it's our natural human nature to just lean into what we know and what feels safe and comfortable. It's 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 a global warming type problem, honestly. It's like it's, there's immediate short-term benefits Right. balanced against long-term detriments. You know what right. I mean? And, and, and vice versa. It's yep. like, uh, like I know it's better for everybody if I cut down my carbon use. But yep. right now when I'm late for work, <laughs> jumping in the car and driving real fast where I need to go is like there's an immediate benefit to that. Right. And the benefits to the globe are down the road. And they're not really obvious to me right here in this moment. And right. I, as a doctor, I totally, like, God, I get it so much when there's like, you have this great tech who you like and who knows you and who knows what you want. And you're like, right. my, my day today, right now will go so much better if you just, just pair her up with me and I, she will work her ass off like she always does. And she knows what I want and my day will be great Right. versus I'm going to let her work uh, in the treatment room. Or somewhere else, and I'm going to take the other tech that I don't work that closely with, and who doesn't know me, and who's not as knowledgeable or skilled or advanced. Right. 
because it's good in the long run, but <laughs> it's going to make today more sucky than it has to yeah. be. Like, that is exactly what we're asking. Right. Um, it, but it truly is. It is about taking taking that long view. And, and like, if you do just, and you see all time, say, this is my tech and I'm grabbing onto this tech. Well, you know, the opportunities for advancement and learning for all the other techs just went down. They just decreased. And that's going to that's gonna decrease their their desire to be there and their desire to work hard for you because the opportunities aren't what they used to be when everybody got to work with the doctor and learn. Absolutely. And the other thing, too, that I encourage um, the, the doctors that I've worked with that have really struggled with this is what happens when Brittany wants to take vacation? Like she's going to be gone for two weeks. Then is your life going to be a living hell because you've only let yourself work with Brittany and nobody else knows how to prep the microscope the way you want it or put in your notes the way you want it. Like that's where you have to step outside of yourself and think a little bit about the long-term planning because the more people that you have to rely on, the bigger that you make your safety net, the better off your long-term life is going to be. But like you said, it can be really hard in the moment to think about that. Yeah. To think about that long term when you just want to get in the car and drive to the clinic as fast as you can, right? Like, I, I get that. Well, let's push it even further. What about when Brittany becomes known as the go-to right-hand technician and all the sales reps coming in know that she is the go-to right-hand technician? And then the specialty hospital down the road becomes aware that Brittany is a fantastic technician at your clinic who does all the things, and they roll up and put down twice what you're paying to see if they can get Brittany and Brittany leaves, which you totally understand. Right. Right. And, and now, now you're surrounded by people who have not gotten opportunities and who have not gotten better. You know what I mean? And you're, you, you invested everything into one person. Yeah. And then she left or, or she, uh, or she gets sick or she, uh, or her spouse moves away, right. or you know, or or she just retires, or whatever the reason is. Like it just the long term, uh, the long term is a much bigger risk than leaning yeah. away from that. All right, so we got to actively stir the pot. We've got to yeah. pass the ball around. We have to include people. We have to make sure the benefits are spread across the team. We have got to hammer on communication. Right, there should not be an in the no group and a not in the no group. This really, and so the reason I, I say this is because what happens a lot of times with clicks, right, is you have a practice that's been around for a long time and it's been a small practice and we all just talk to each other. We're all just talk to each other. Right. And then, we, and then we're growing and we're all just talking to each other. And at some point, uh, we're not all just talking to each other anymore. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. too many people and they yep. don't talk to each other all the time and they yep. work different shifts. And the system of we're all just, we just spread information by telling each other that system breaks down. And right. you need to just check in. If you are starting to get to a place, you're like, we never had this problem before, and now we have a click problem. If you have recently grown, you've gone from 12 to 16 or 20 employees, that's generally when I see these things starting to happen. Um, yeah. I would say that that may not be a click problem. That is probably a communication problem because your size has increased. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's the, that's a hard thing, right? Like nobody wants to be the last person to know. And the bigger your group gets, the bigger the bubble gets, um, the easier it is for stuff to slip through the cracks. Or you tell five people and then you assume that they're going to tell other people. And then all of a sudden you have somebody going, how the heck come I didn't know about this thing that's happening that everybody else seems to know about? Like, it's really easy. And so I would agree with you that um, part of this solution has to be transparency and communication and stepping up our efforts to make sure that we are overly communicating and keeping everybody involved so that people don't feel like, um, well, how come they knew about it before we did? You know, that that is very easily dangerous. Yeah. Emphasizing the open door policy is another Mm -hmm. big one, Mm -hmm. right? If, if anyone feels like they're not your, they're not in the friend group, so they can't come and talk to you about what's going on or what's on their mind. That's a problem. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, really emphasizing my door is always open. Please come and let me know. Uh, there's the classic suggestion box. Uh, yeah. I am a much bigger fan of the lean board. Um, Dr. Mark Nunez just did a workshop on that shortly. Uh, just, well, it's bef- 
right now as we're recording this, it's in the future. It'll be in the past when this podcast comes out. So, uh, so it is in the school. If you're an Uncharted member, uh, you yeah. can totally check that out, and we'll probably be running that again in the future. So anyway, open door policy, hammer on communication, and the last thing I would say is uh, I don't know that this has to be a thing. Right. Um, it ha- I don't know that it has to be a thing. I think that if you're seeing this, if you say these are my friends, they're going to be my friends, I think having some one-off conversations about what people's concerns are, what they're seeing, addressing those behaviors, and then go ahead and getting to work on increasing practice transparency overall. That's right. just you laying the groundwork for success later on. It's like no one's saying anything about pay or compensation. Look, it, you know, if we're all if we're hanging out and some people hang out more than other people and things like that, we're going to have to kind of figure out at least some guidelines so we can say this is how raises happen. Or, you know, this is how we decide who gets time off and this is how the schedules are laid down. You know, um, just start having those thoughts and and conversations and remember the veil of ignorance and and work towards something that you would accept if you were the person who's not in the friend group. Yep, I I agree. And the only the only other thing I have to add is uh, Dr. Superfriend. If you are guys are at times socializing outside of the vet clinic. I really hope you're all wearing your masks and I hope you're sitting six feet away from each other <laughs> <laughs> and uh, spring is coming, right? So we're getting outside more. It's beautiful here today. And I could absolutely see it's freezing, but I could see sitting outside with some friends and there is light at the end of the tunnel on that, on that front for all of us. So, you know, I, I think, I think Dr. Superfriend is doing, doing the right thing here. I think they have the self-awareness They are I, I don't think they're the kind of person who's going to make the big dramatic deal. And I don't think they have to, I think saying you don't have to end your friendships, be who you are, be, be who you are as people enjoy each other, enjoy the support. If that's your choice, if you're listening to this and you're like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't be friends with people outside of work. That's okay too. Um, owning that personal choice for yourself is, is fine. Um, but making sure that the communication and the transparency are in place will help save a lot of heartache Whichever, yep. whichever direction you decide to go. Yeah, I, I would challenge you uh, if you say, I can't do it. My friends are in practice. I would challenge you, one, to make sure that everything is transparent so that uh, people see it as fair. And then number two, I, I would challenge you um, to, to I, don't, I don't exactly know how to say this. I, I would challenge you to hide it. And I don't mean hide it like, I don't want you, I never want to be untruthful with people or whatever. My challenge to you is to say, you can be their friend. I challenge you to make it so that people who are working in your practice don't necessarily know that, yep. you know, uh, and, uh, yeah. and that's just it. If, if they yep. go, huh, you guys are good friends. Well, I, I mean, I see her working with everybody and, you know, and you're not the technician she always works with and, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's yeah. a good thing. And yep. then go out in the evening and do your friendship thing and be friends and be together. Right. But, but again, Perception goes both ways. Um, you can be their friend and not be perceived as buddy buddy right. on the f- work floor. And I think if you're going to be their friend, then then that is what we should aspire to. Yep, I agree. Cool, awesome stuff. Thanks a lot. Yeah, this is a this is a fun one. Hopefully, it helps. Have a good week, you guys. Take it easy, guys. Have a great week. Bye. And that's what we got for you today. Guys, I hope it's helpful. Hope you got something out of it. As always, if it was, please share the episode and and or write us an honest review on iTunes. It really does make a lot of difference. Um, It is how people find the show. Take care of yourselves. Be well. Talk to you soon. Bye.